hello and welcome to the latest episode of It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Rubinell, and today we are looking at the season one finale of The Critic, uh, season one, episode 13, A Pig Boy and His Dog. And uh, here to uh, go along with me on this journey uh, for this episode is a filmmaker, a, the current film news editor for Arrow in the Head, and a video editor for Joe Blow Horror Videos. It's Damien Damaski. Hey, Damien. Hey, hey I'm, I'm glad to be on here. So um, just the history of this show. So this is like before it moves to Fox, correct? Because this is originally an ABC show. Yes, it started on ABC. There's even uh, kind of a meta joke in this episode about ABC. Like home improvement and stuff. Yeah, yeah. it was a big home <laughs> improvement like thread throughout this whole thing, which is kind of weird because um, the show I didn't quite remember and see, and we'll go into it, but like seeing it was kind of surprising being like, oh yeah, I kind of remember this because it was a show I watched kind of sometimes yeah. begrudgingly. And I definitely would have been one of those people that was just tuning in for the critics. So I probably would have just caught the end of home improvement because that show never really held any interest for me. Yeah, it was it was always bad. Yeah, I think <laughs> kids have better taste than people like to realize. Even then, I was like, "This is boring and dumb," uh, and the grunts were annoying. It was just yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you ever play the video game of that? The video game. <laughs> have you heard of that? The I, I actually, I actually have. I played it just on an emulator. Just when I heard that a home improvement Super Nintendo game existed, I was like, "Oh my god, I've got to try that." And um, yeah, it's pretty terrible. And they start pretty big, too. So the first level is like a because uh, this came in the mid 90s. So it was a dinosaur level is the first, you know, because you played right, the game. Yeah. But like it's the like, for people who don't know, like Tim Allen's character. Tim, it was I forget his name. His name actually is not it, Allen. It's, it's Tim, Tim something. Taylor. Tim, the Tim. tool man Taylor. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. And so he has a show in the in the sitcom. And then so the video game is literally him uh, losing uh, he actually stops the show, the live show, being like, oh, I'm going to go do it at the studios. <laughs> to, and so the first studio he goes to is a dinosaur level, which is like, doesn't make any sense because he's like a public access thing. He can't be, he hasn't, I don't think no. he's like adjacent to like Universal Studios or something, whatever. <laughs> that's, that's at least that game's problems. Yeah, I don't think I ever even like bothered to get past the first level in that game. I was done with it very quickly. <laughs> it's like, oh, I get, I get the point. This, this, this is, a, it's a fun, kitschy thing. We're done. Let's move on. And it's yeah. pretty standard. You just run, jump. Uh, I think you have like a nail gun that you attack with. Well, it's like so. I saw, I saw one. I saw some let's plays of it, and literally, like, it has different. You have different. Your tools do different things. You have like a grappling hook, mm. and you have like a, you have like a jackhammer one. And apparently, it's like Sonic. Apparently, like you you collect nuts and if you get hit you lose like that's your life okay so and i think yeah but they don't explain that very well so like most less players i see watch because i've seen multiple let's players play this game because i have no life um <laughs> quarantine's killing me uh i wonder if but, we can find a speed run of it at gdq probably honestly it's such it's it's, it's becoming one of those kind of cult games kind of like bubsy 3d or uh trying to think of some other like really terrible ones uh, was sonic 06 some of those like legendarily bad games uh, i remember e. one of the best bad games i saw at gdq during like their whole like bad games block or whatever that they always have is a uh um a i want to say a chinese made uh game based on the movie titanic oh titanic yeah titanic it's yeah. yeah it's titanic spelled with an e instead of an a and uh yeah, it's like 
It's an 8-bit side-scrolling beat-em-up where you play as both uh, Jack and Rose. In, yeah, uh, you can depending on the both. level. Yeah, I've seen that. Unfortunately, I saw it on a on a uh, YouTuber which shall not be named uh, anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, which which sucks. But um, but because uh, that's where the Titanic thing came from. Like, oh no, I probably shouldn't reference that guy uh, anymore because he's a Nazi. <laughs> oh dang! All right. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I don't right, watch so. the channel anymore. <laughs> on so that note, speaking of the yeah. critic, yeah. So we've already touched on uh, maybe the the nerdiest subjects possible. Speed runs <laughs> oh, and we, oh, we're talking about the critic, man. It's <laughs> yeah, gonna go yeah. pretty nerdy. So cause, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So this episode. A pig boy and his dog. I'll just read the uh, synopsis here. Um, Inspired by her son's portly figure, Eleanor writes a children's book called The Fat Little Pig, and Jay becomes a laughingstock. Uh, which, yeah, that's that's a pretty good pretty summation much the plot. of what happens here. Yeah. Well, it's one one thing I noticed is that because it's called the the pig and the dog, I didn't, I didn't really. Uh, and what's interesting is that the A plot and the B plot don't meet each other until like the very end of the episode. Yeah, is, I have a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, like, it's um, I'm not gonna lie. Like this episode, I liked it because I like all the critic episodes. I've seen all the critic episodes. Um, and, and even this episode, like, I, I didn't really remember it that well, but like, there's like, there's like elements of it. Like, I remember laughing at this, or, you know, kind of like the Simpsons episodes. Cause like, it's the same, like, it was like, uh, you know, um, the, the showrunners were originally showrunners on Simpsons. And I remember, uh, there'd be like segments of the Simpsons or like, oh, I remember this, ep- this little joke, this little joke, but I don't remember like where the joke comes from. You know what I mean? Wh- which joke? Oh, just in general, where they'll oh, be like segments. Okay. You, you you like quote a Simpsons reference. Oh, right. Yeah, I don't right. remember what because like their their A plots and B plots are so also kind of like, kind of like this a little bit disconnected, and um. But I remember like certain things like the owl transition um, that we'll get to later. Uh, some of the some of Franklin's jokes. I remember being like, oh, I don't remember like from this episode, but I remember like remembering that uh, triggering uh, yeah. that memory. Um, but uh, but the fact that it focused on his mother was kind of disappointing because she's probably like one of my least favorite characters in the series. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely one of the meanest. Um, like, <laughs> well, that to me is fine. Duke was one of my favorite characters in that series. He's probably my second or third favorite character. And he's like probably worse than her. But so it has nothing to do with like morality. And Mr. Burns is one of my favorite characters in The Simpsons. And oh, okay. He's, he's yeah. worse than Eleanor. <laughs> so, I mean, like in that sense. I mean, yeah, it's OK to have a mean character as long as you can make them sympathetic and or funny. I, yeah, because Mr. Burns is not funny at all, and either I'd argue neither is Duke, really. So, oh, really? I think Duke's hilarious. Oh, he is. I, I mean, he's not. He's not sympathetic. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, he's hilarious. Yeah, but him. they don't. I don't think they really managed to do that with uh, Eleanor in this episode, unfortunately. Yeah, and, um, I, I think the. Um, I think what's funniest is when it really is making fun of the kind of blue blood one percenter thing, which is like, um, it's like we should fire the poor into the sun. We have the technology. That stuff was <laughs> funny. Or um, I really did like the driving Miss Daisy. Uh, oh, uh-huh. uh, homage where he's just like, he goes like Malcolm H and he's just like, you won't survive the revolution and just like runs yeah. off. <laughs> that was really funny. Uh, especially now how prescient that, uh, that joke oh, yeah. was. <laughs> and there's also a very prescient joke about the police later when, yeah. uh, yeah, Jay, like, yeah, 
basically the chief of police shoots the glass bottle out of Jay's hand. <laughs> He's like, oh, how dare you? Oh, Mr. Chief of Police. Yeah, yeah. that was really funny. Uh, the critics, surprisingly, because I've, I've um, you know, I sometimes talk, you know, I know your podcast sometimes talks about like the changing morales, uh, amores of like mm-hmm. comedy and how things have kind of changed since like especially early 90s. And you realize this show is like, you know, 25 years old i mean this is a quarter of a century old this is it's it's you don't think that because i think we're both born i was born in 88 so i think the 90s is like 10 years ago perpetually yeah (laughs) (laughs) no yeah i was born in in 85 so yeah i'm also very uh, nostalgic for the 90s yeah and and uh but it's it's still funny when you watch these shows and was how pressing they are in a lot of things uh i remember there's a joke not in this episode but in a, in a probably earlier i think it's a season one episode where it's the um they have a high-speed chase at jay and, and a producer and they're like oh and cops are like whatever and then it shows like spike lee like oh, yeah. type um am i beat by was it spike lee or was it just like a, a, it was a, just a type a, of like yeah, it was just a random, just a random black person just driving. Yeah, no, no, it was a director. He was like earlier in the episode, and then, uh, but it's based on Spike Lee. And oh. It's like, oh, a black guy going the speed limit. Let's go stop him. So I'm like, oh, yeah. so so the critic, you know, even these shows were because it's like right after Rodney King, you know, a little bit like a couple years after that. So I, it still is in the public consciousness, I think, to a certain extent, but it's still there. I mean, one of the craziest things I remember seeing is a clip from The Simpsons. Um, um what that's been kind of got passed around where she's like talking about like uh when marge becomes a cop and then lisa's just and lisa's like well isn't actually what you're perpetuating uh this violent uh system that maybe we could use to instead uh have you know public works and she kind of talks about kind of the the current you know defund the police type thing of like they bring non-violent um, yeah, people to come in to help, and Mar- Marge is just like, "Oh, here's McGruff, this crime dog. Hey, Lisa, take a bite out of crime." You know, it's like, um, but that stuff was in the air. I think even earlier than we think. I mean, if you look at um comedy, if you certain, so certain lenses that are definitely more. There's a lot of fat jokes, for instance, in this episode. Um, sure, yeah, that are a little bit that are very, very dated. Some of them are funny. I'm not, you know, um, but some of them are very, very dated. Um, as a big person, I'm allowed to laugh at it, I think. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is kind of a time capsule in that sense. So just like in the, in the last episode, episode 12, uh, uh, Madeline and I, we talked a lot about how that episode kind of makes a joke about, uh, political correctness Mm -hmm. because like in the, or around the time of that episode, like the whole PC culture thing was like a brand new thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was like the first time people thought about like, oh yeah, I guess you should say congressperson instead of congressman or, you know, mail carrier instead of mailman, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Admittedly, this episode was, I think, funnier to me on a rewatch. Like, I remember like when I got the DVD and I just like marathoned the whole series, like this episode and episode 12 were the ones that really made me think like, oh God, what was what was going on here? <laughs> um, but no, like watching it again, there's some there's some really great stuff in here. Um, uh, so good like, lines and stuff, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so let's what let's get into it. It's um, not, yeah, so go, yeah. Go, yeah, do the do the actual episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we begin with. Uh, uh, like a Disney movie parody, like a yeah, Pinocchio. I I really liked. I this is not one of those things where I remember this segment vividly, mm. but I didn't remember like what episode it was part of. Yeah, yeah, and uh, there's, you know what? I think we. Oh wait, I I either we uh, haven't gotten into it yet, or I somehow passed it over. But in another critic episode, there's a uh, 
Nightmare Before Christmas parody where oh, they really? actually oh, it's, do it's a stop, stop motion. Yeah, they do. Yeah, stop I remember motion that. Animation I forget where, that. I, they did a couple yeah. of them. Yeah, because they also did the Lion King one where wasn't it like Howard right. Stern was the Lion King? Yeah, like the... yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we get Pinocchio here where, well, basically we reveal that it's actually Jay and Jeremy in the theater watching it because Jeremy's doing the voice of uh, the cockroach instead of uh, Jiminy Cricket. G'day, mate. I'm Bogart the Roach. I'm going to tell you the story of Pinocchio, a wooden puppet who wanted to be a real boy. When you make a real big blunder, have a pint and then go chunder. My favorite part of this segment was the uh, Robin Williams as the Beige Fairy. Oh, I just flew in from San Francisco and boy, am I Judy Garland records tired. For shame, you have befiled a child's cartoon with evil thoughts. Captain, I am getting some evil thoughts. Evil thoughts? Spock, get that dribble out of your pants. Just, yeah, just Robin Williams doing his, like, r really rapid-fire, like, impressions and stuff. What's funny is it's very much very little parody on that particular part. Because I remember <laughs> right. Robin Williams did, uh, or might have been when Dan Castianella, who actually played Homer, actually did, did the cartoons or the the series or the sequel. Um, but, yeah, there, there was definitely, I know Robin Williams did the third Aladdin movie. I think that was, like, Prince of, with King of Thieves or whatever, where, like, Aladdin meets his dad. Um, and, uh, but yeah, but there were jokes in there that seemed very similar, even some of the Will Smith's stuff in the, in the live action where like, he's like duplicating himself. And it's just like, it's kind of funny because it's like, it's funny because I think this is the first movie had just come out, but then right. to see that, like the, that kind of like life imitates art where like, actually some of that stuff they actually did later on, yeah. um, <laughs> duplicating people and, and, and things like that. I thought the funniest thing was Arnold Schwarzenegger because that was like before, um, Mr. Freeze where he got paid like right. what, $25 million to like not barely be in the movie to, to make terrible ice puns. Yeah. And like, apparently, you know, a little Batman tangent, like apparently like none of the actors really talked to Arnold Schwarzenegger. They just have a stand in, for like stunts oh. and stuff like that. So literally they, they would just film Arnold Schwarzenegger's like close-ups and his like medium shots or like that. And then he would go home <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then pretty uh, nice gig. And then George, yeah. And then George Clooney and Chris O'Donnell would just talk to him, talk to a stand in for the reverse shots, which is <laughs> kind of ridiculous. Um, but yeah, that is funny that again, there's all these things kind of prescient to a certain extent. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is, this is I, I would say this is probably one of the more highlights of the episode. I think this is mm -hmm. it, it goes back to sort of the cuz I, I was I was clocking it like literally the first coming attractions his his show that didn't happen to, like the third act until after the third no, like, yeah. commercial break. And so this is like the only they might have done this honestly the scene's so disconnected to the rest of the episode that it feels like <laughs> cuz it really is only cuz he goes to the premiere and he meets the dog after he goes outside the premiere. That's basically the yeah. what what plot wise what it leads to but really the entire like first five minutes is so disconnected from the rest of the episode that it feels like it's like they're in the writer's room like oh shit we have this whole story with his mom but we don't have any like film parodies until like literally 20 minutes in the, or you know like 18 yeah, minutes into the like, episode and jeremy is in that opening scene but he doesn't come back for the rest of the episode like yeah exactly come on, give us more jeremy that's a great character. i love yeah he's one of my favorite characters i, I like i like i like him a lot um yeah. and then uh they also have a funny animation joke where uh it's oh, like it's yes. so cheap animation they don't move their all they do is they move their mouths and don't move their animation it's awful i tell you awful <laughs> and like his lip syncs off yeah. and he's not moving and <laughs> Um, so that was like a funny little animation joke. So yeah, on the way home from the theater, Jay basically 
finds a stray puppy um, that introduces, yeah, a Tiny, or AKA his full name, Unshin Andalu. I'll call you Tiny, although your full name will be Unshin Andalu. <laughs> After the, you know, like the 1930s art movie. Yeah, the Salvador Dali, um, yeah. And was song. it Luis Bunuel? I don't remember. I think so okay. that sounds right um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah well, that's totally <laughs> it's totally what jay would name an actual dog <laughs> oh, I, I, oh, oh, that's what i like about the critic i mean because like what was it al, was it al reese and mike was it mike reese and al Jean, right oh Is the, um al Jean and mike reese yeah so i was right okay cool i was, I was, I was I'm gonna <laughs> fuck that up like uh i don't have the thing in front of me um i didn't want to like imdb it like while we're talking <laughs> um but uh, yeah, but they come to the Simpsons, and it was interesting. Like the creation of it was really to be the opposite of Homer, you know, because Homer Simpson and the Simpsons in general were sort of Americana, like the the sort of Midwest or or like the, the average nu- nuclear family, and kind of a parody of that, um, mm-hmm. parody of sort of the Americana uh, right. iconography, and so that's why like Simpsons kind of became a broader parody of, of American life. Originally, it was kind of just more of a regular sitcom. You know, that's why Simpsons got better towards like the second, you know, to their golden age years because they were actually critiquing the entire, you know, American hypocrisies and stuff like that. And what's interesting about the critic is the critic was actually about more higher echelon. You know, so his families are blue bloods. He's he's actually very successful. He actually has Pulitzer Prizes. Like what's interesting about, yeah. about Jay Sherman is that because when I was watching as a kid, he's always very schlubby. So I just kind of assumed he was schlubby, but you know, and sort of, and he, he, he's molded off on, on, on maybe um, Homer only in, only in terms of his design. Well, uh, I, I design. believe Jay Sherman is actually supposed to be a combination of Siskel and Ebert. He is. He's so, like, what was it? So he's, yeah. he's, um, he's what, balder than Gene and fatter than Ebert yeah. or something like that. Was, <laughs> yeah. it, was, the, was the term they used? Yeah. I think a big difference uh, that kind of, feeds that between the critic and the Simpsons is just the fact that the critic like takes place kind of in the real world. Like yeah. Jay lives in actual New York, whereas Springfield is just sort of meant to be this stand in for like any kind of town in America. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, so, the, the so yeah, that kind of, yeah, that kind of gives the critic license to kind of joke about real world issues or, or, you know, take on things like that. And it's also kind of much more explicitly political. Right, which I, I which I because it definitely is definitely taking cracks at the Republican like out of being out of touch and um, of course there's the whole '90s like both sides are bad kind of ishness that 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 that's kind of that kind of plagues '90s comedies, especially political commentary. But I think it, it is more biting than The Simpsons is for a lot of times because yeah yeah you had like well it's a John Schwartzman that was a huge libertarian and so that obviously skews some stuff and even though his episodes are some of the funniest so i don't know like how much it affects it but i don't know maybe that's why we get a ross perot joke later in the episode <laughs> um, no there's it was, it was a close thing. that's like what the mid 90s and so like you know the election is oh, gonna right. happen pretty soon so it was like was like that was like 94 the first episode the first season yeah yeah 94, and, ross had, and ross perot ran for president in 92 and then 96 yeah Oh, was it both? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So he, he, he was in 92, he was blamed for splitting the vote from George HW and getting uh, okay. a newcomer, Bill Clinton to come in. They did it again, but Bob Dole was such a, such a nothing candidate. And right. like, like, but I think honestly, Bob Dole is only in the public conscious, I think kind of because of Norm Macdonald and the Simpsons episode. 
because otherwise we would not remember it. He remembers yeah. Michael Dukakis for the most part. You know, no one really knows. Like, it, I, but let's talk a little bit just about the fact that this episode like introduces uh, the dog character, Tiny. Um, yeah, I because he also does not show up at all in the show after this. They just kind of forget about. No, him. no, he does. He, he he's the Wait, entire. He he's the dog that that Jane brings in. But I mean, in. Uh, like after this episode. Oh, after this episode. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought I thought you meant after that scene. I'm like, wait a minute, what are you talking oh, about? He's no, the no, whole, no. whole B plot. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, so like, yeah, just so like this is the final episode of season one. Season two, they do kind of a reset. So there's they no do, yeah. dog. There's no yeah. Um so I kind of view Tiny as being like kind of a, a cousin Oliver, like from the Brady Bunch. They just wanted to, I don't know cutesy up the show a little bit maybe like give the dog as like a uh as you know just another source of just uh hijinks. For, yeah hijinks and just you know it's an easy um excuse to get a lot of like cutesy kind of moments like the same reason that a, a sitcom would like introduce a baby yeah because everyone loves a baby right yeah and then always works out ask the brady bunch ask married with children i think married with children did a whole oh. like, meta joke about yeah. that actually okay um <laughs> towards, towards later seasons yeah uh yeah maybe i don't know like i know they were struggling right that was the whole reason why they're making this home improvement jokes and stuff like they were because it was like it oh, had sort of a yeah. successful lead in and then it sort of like wandered for a while, or like wavered i mean I, w- I would have to do more research on this but i think uh abc like uh canceled the critic before season one was even done airing oh that sounds right yeah because like yeah they just it just didn't fit either they hated the show or i don't know maybe the ratings weren't there or whatever but it's probably, it probably makes sure bull i mean it, it's sort of like in a way because there's a certain fraser-esque-ness to it but the difference is like fraser was at least coming off of cheers um yeah which i think kind of helps with that I, that might have been a slow starter if i remember correctly too i don't think that one was like a big hit initially and then i think it got like it was more of a critic's favorite and mm-hmm. i think the critic was didn't really have necessarily that because it was it was by the crazy simpsons but it wasn't on the same network and it was sort of it's it was and also it was, it was kind of purposely being kind of diametrically opposed the simpsons like ideologically and, and aesthetically yeah. and stuff like that in a, in a lot of ways so other than the acerbic humor um the acerbist humor and, and satirical humor there like it was it, it, i don't think they were as connected as maybe like abc wanted or maybe as you know audience want, audiences wanted it was definitely it's not highbrow per se but it's any more highbrow than mm-hmm. like i think the simpsons was at the time yeah <laughs> and um and yeah, like you were saying, the A and the B plots are just completely disconnected in this because like because mm-hmm. uh, later Jay goes to his parents' house and I guess he just leaves Tiny at home, we're left to assume. Oh, yeah, because he eats a burglar at one point. Yeah. Which, is, which, yeah. which, which actually was one of my favorite <laughs> yeah. jokes. It happens later in the episode, but it's like um, I think his sister Margot comes over, right? Uh, it's Marty. Marty is at the the apartment. Oh yeah, it's the um, son. Yeah, it's doing the son. A, doing a book report on the fat little pig. <laughs> fat little pig. It's um. like, <laughs> hey, what's that? A ski mask? A grappling hook? Did Tiny eat a burglar? Best I can figure. <laughs> Which is actually a funny dark joke. Like that's one of the I actually really like. Yeah. That's one of the best jokes of the. <laughs> at least with the dog stuff, especially. Yeah, because again, most of the jokes about Tiny are about just his voracious appetite, which yeah. I guess makes him the perfect dog for Jay. Uh, like, there's even that 
scene where both uh, Tiny and Jay are just like on all fours eating out of the refrigerator. I think that's like the first joke when he brings him to the apartment. Oh, is that like when Tiny is still a puppy? Yeah, I think he's still a puppy, yeah. Yeah. And and I think he goes down there, he's like, ooh, it's like, stop (laughs) eating my fridge. And and then he goes like, oh, wait a minute, what is this? And he's so he goes down and starts chewing. That's one of the the, the critics' um, fat jokes in Uh, there. That that was also something that that struck me, was that the, the timeline of this episode is so long that Tiny starts out as a puppy, but by the end, he's like full grown yeah i don't know i mean part of me is thinking like the joke is he's he's growing fast i assumed it wasn't that long but you're right i guess like if she's like publishing it and then yeah um and then getting successful and then writing a sequel i guess it does span a few yeah you're right i didn't even think about that <laughs> um, watching it yeah that just kind of yeah occurred to me as being kind of funny like very few sitcom episodes have such a wide uh timeline yeah um, for sure but yeah, so Jay goes to his parents' house uh, ostensibly to help Margot with her college applications, though yeah. that is kind of not really a major part of this episode. Well, I, well, I think it's just, to, it's, it's, it's just to lead into Eleanor realizing her life is a sham. She's like, you're right. going to have my life like <laughs> mine. It's like, that's you're describing your life. Yeah, like, like she wants Margot to go to her college, have all of her experiences. Uh, Margot, I've got it all planned. You'll gain your polish at Hackensack U, lose your virginity in a parking lot after a Dave Brubeck concert, and become a doting wife to a man who wears underwear on his head. Mother, you just described your own life. Oh, good Lord. What a complete waste it was. Yeah, and then uh, that leads to one of my favorite jokes in the episode, though. It's like, oh, you should go to here. They, they have a statue of your father there. And yes. it's like a statue with, like, a, he has a banana in his ear. Oh, classic. And, and he's just like, yeah, see, the thing is, he, he cut back and he has a banana in his ear. And he's like, the reason that I have a banana in my ear is to make sure the monkey gets out of my head. Yes. <laughs> and, like, what's what I love about Franklin is he seems like he's sort of a precursor to the lower random, like, Newgrounds era or like the like mm. Comsar from the Homestar Runner sure episode like uh episodes <laughs> um but no he he was great I think he again I think he saves this episode to a certain extent because I like I love Jay but Jay is kind of a side character in this episode and I love yeah. Duke and Duke Duke has like probably the best lines in the mo- in the show also but he's also barely in it right, so yeah. it's like you're, you're focusing the entire emotional journey on a character like Eleanor like it's good to have a character to balance that out in a way that's um that makes it keeps it really funny and actually it has a sort of emotional core a little bit to it a little bit i mean it, it shows why she cares about franklin because at least he's, he's he's a loser and a weirdo and, has, right. and you have a husband you'll marry a man who has underwear on his head you know right. yeah. <laughs> and but the fact that he cares and the fact that he's like you know faithful to her and stuff like that so i yeah. think that she, at least it sort of explains why they're dynamic a little bit which i guess maybe helps i don't know yeah, <laughs> he he made those up. He made those scenes work. So. I I do you know I do like that they try to kind of flesh out um, Eleanor and Franklin because they have been very minor characters up to this point. And Mar- now Eleanor, we we get into the heart of the story, which is that Eleanor feels unfulfilled and like she didn't do anything with her life. Yeah, so they kind of go through this montage of Eleanor trying to find different activities just to give her life meaning again. Uh-huh. Um, I like the. Uh, she gets like a Chippendales guy to come over and and uh, do her shopping, and as he's trying to put food away, he keeps like, you know, he rips off his shirt. He he plays the radio and starts dancing. And puts oil that. on it. You yeah. know, my oil fell on. I'm here to fill your pantry, Mrs. Sherman. Fine. 
Where would you like these sweet buns? Put them on my antique bun warmer. <clears throat> Never mind that. Put the cans up there. And the only thing it kind of, I thought it was funny. I, I mean, it, it made her a little, a little interesting that she's like not even interested. But I, my only question is, so, because right before that, they had, she was talking to her like waspy friends. Like, so what do you do oh, to yeah. keep yourself excited? And she says, the pool boy. And then yeah. her friends are like, the pool boy, <laughs> this, that. And then, um, and then she's like, oh, I had a dream about Matthew McConaughey and, or something like that. And, she, and I actually forgot what the punchline of that joke was. I don't oh, think I wrote that in my She notes. says Woody Harrelson and then like, oh, wait, no, it was Woodrow Wilson. <laughs> oh, yeah, because yeah, she's old, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, the only thing I didn't give a chip dollop, so, so I don't think she ordered that. Did her friends order that or was that just a random oh. like occurrence? <laughs> um, yeah, it kind of seems like someone maybe ordered it for her because, yeah, she is – definitely not into it like she doesn't even seem to be aware of what's going yeah she doesn't on. seem to be aware that that's yeah. like i think that she's more just kind of annoyed like why did you not put this away right like yeah. she's which is kind of funny eh. yeah um, pretty funny scene uh yeah but then um uh doris uh the uh, oh that's my that's my, my favorite lines in this story it's like so okay. what do women your age do hey doris my mother's bored with her life what do women your age do die and square dance hmm she, she has a really great line yeah. delivery on that. Also, just quick sidebar, but I, I recently heard that um, square dancing apparently has this whole secret racist history. Oh, hey, surprising. I'm not surprised. Are you? Okay. <laughs> Everything in America has a, mean, a secret race. Like, literally, <laughs> Mickey Mouse is a racist minstrel show, like, oh, representation. Oh, like, man. the idea of the big gloves and the fight. Yeah, that's all based oh, on minstrel man. show like, iconography. Mickey Mouse is literally ra- is literally racist. Like, that's, um, yeah. Well, so. Walt Disney was literally racist, too. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, everything. Everything yeah. has, has, has yeah. a race. But just to get, yeah, just to give like what I heard about square dancing was just that like I forget who it was but some guy wanted square dancing to be the the like the official dance of the United States and he wanted it to be taught in schools and and all this stuff basically because he was trying to make sure jazz didn't become too popular pretty much yeah it was like it's like jazz music was really popular at the time and it was it was a way to kind of counteract that and uh, retroactively yeah. and and adding the whole yeah and adding the whole like western aspect of it made it sound like it was americana and had always been there rather than oh being yeah something that was new yeah so it's yeah and, and it makes sense that it's something that uh would would that you know, Eleanor would try. I guess Jay right. got the idea from from, from <laughs> yeah. Doris, but so yeah, Eleanor hosts a whole square dance night at the house. Mm-hmm. So that's <laughs> so like you know they, they invite all of their rich friends and stuff, and that's where we get Ross Perot. Yeah, and then and his running mate, and then uh, and that's when him and um him and him and Franklin have like a have like a little uh, dance together. And, yeah. Take your partner by the hand, strut like Daniel Moynihan. Grab your partner, do si clear the floor for Ross Perot. Eve, I've, Eve, I've, I didn't win a single state. Blame it on my running mate. That's me! I actually looked up who Ross Perot's actual running mate was in 1992. Mm-hmm. It was a uh, uh, retired... Uh, Navy Admiral, or sorry, Vice Admiral James Stockdale, mm-hmm. and if you look at a picture of him, it looks nothing like the actual cartoon they have <laughs> right? in, in this episode. So I don't know if they were just making something up, uh, or 
what what the deal was with that. Uh, maybe it's just bad caricature, maybe. Uh, that, that, yeah, that is kind of weird. Yeah, uh, they kind they kind of do the same thing in season two when um, Duke Phillips runs for president. Mm-hmm. Uh, they manage to get, or he chooses Franklin as as his vice president. Um, so they do the vice presidential debate. So they have Al Gore, um, but for uh, Bob Dole's running mate, they just have some random guy. Uh, <laughs> like I forget what they name him, but it's not a person who exists. Oh, okay. Yeah. Might have been too early for that, maybe. Possibly. But then it's like, yeah. well, why would you make an episode about that? Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, but, that, that's funny. Anyways, um, so, and then yeah. there's a Ted Kennedy episode where it's like, get your <laughs> pants on. It's like, I didn't come in with pants. You know? Oh, my God. But, and that must be whoever does Joe Quimby's voice on the Simpsons. Cause it's the exact same voice. I think, no, I think it's actually Maurice LaMarche. I don't think Maurice LaMarche oh. does, does Quimby and okay. Simpsons. I think, it, I think it was just, you know, it, it's a very, I mean, he's a very imitatable. It's just the, the Boston, yeah. Massachusetts, like, you know, yeah. And I know like Quimby is basically supposed to be a parody of, of yeah, JFK. Yeah. So, so I think it's more, I mean, I could be wrong, but I assume it's, it's probably just because that's one thing. I saw a documentary on The Critic um, kind of recently, actually. Oh. And uh, yeah, it's randomly. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, Wait, on, uh, on YouTube? On or? YouTube, yeah. It's like an 11-minute okay. thing. And I was okay. looking making it. I, mean, you know, I think it was a retrospective. I think it came out like in 2000s somewhere. Um, and they were looking back on it. It was just kind of recent because it's like 25 years ago. So it might have been actually this year, surprisingly. But um, but they talked about, yeah, how like they hired Maurice LaMarche he's kind of a young um voice actor at that point a young youngish and uh and so he was hired because he could do so many impressions and they would literally just throw impressions at him and can you do this one can you do this one and so i think i think it's more to save money they probably just had him <laughs> just, do, just yeah. fucking just do it and they had another guy that did like all the accent voices which is where there's probably a lot of stereotypes on mm. the critic but you know because <laughs> the 90s um and then uh, she has the whole thing with etiquette, right? And that's where she shoots the gun. Yeah. Like, well, uh, so, um, well, Jay gives her the idea, like, after the whole square dance is kind of a bust, he gives her the idea to, he's just like, well, why don't you write a book? And she likes that idea. And it's just sort of like, wait, that's how that's how we introduce the idea of Eleanor writing a book. Jay just says it. Like, there's nothing really motivating that. It, I guess that's true. It is sort of a weak uh, yeah, they, they just pull yeah. it out of a hat. I, I thought that was kind of weird. But yeah, but, but that's how we get to that. Yeah, so what happens after this? That's her writing it and, and then he comes over, right? Yeah, so, um, but I love when she first gets the idea to write the book, she gets everyone out of the house by just firing a gun in the air. I know, you could write a book. A book, eh? Okay, I'll write a book. Perhaps a guide to etiquette and manners. I'll start right now. Last one out gets a butt full of lead. <laughs> you heard me, Teddy. Put your pants on and get out. I uh, didn't come with pants, and I'm not leaving with pants. But yeah, then Jay does visit, and she's like already written her etiquette book, and that's where we get the... Um... Why the poor people should be blasting to space. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, and then we reveal that uh, the butler, Shackelford, has already... Or he's aware of the book and he's like rubbing his butt no no no, no no what happens is she gives it to jay he reads it it's like who else have you shown this to and he's like oh just my just my butler you know uh and it cuts to him yeah rubbing his butt on her plane <laughs> and, and <laughs> then franklin joins in because he doesn't uh, know what's going on yeah <laughs> uh 
and uh, which I yeah, yeah, that's kind of funny. They're talking about the class consciousness stuff. It's uh, you know, yeah, it's there. They, uh, yeah, they mention it. They don't really go that in depth into deep it. In it yeah. yeah, and then uh, and that's when she's she has a funny line reading though, where she does say, uh, "Is like, we shoot in the space? We have the technology." Yeah. Like, they, 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 like <laughs> yeah. that's the issue with it. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So. So yeah, Jay suggests she write a different book. And <laughs> Can you write a different book? <laughs> and she gets her inspiration after seeing Jay rummaging through the fridge and singing this song about his lost candy bar or something. Honey, yeah, sugar, sugar, where is my candy bar? I think it was a Charleston chew. There it is, I'm gonna eat tonight. Jay, you've just given me a wonderful idea for a children's book. Which that's another Simpsons holdover. Definitely is the singing a song about stupid shit. <laughs> yeah, which is funny because I think that happens real. I don't know if that's necessarily Simpsons made that up, but I think it's the first time I've actually really seen it often in a in a, in a way that uh, like I would do or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this show like. Uh, Jay does have a pattern of singing a lot. He he tends yeah. to sing whenever he's in a good mood. I would wonder how much of that is like in the script. Jay sings or Jay says this thing, or how much of it is mm. is is, is just uh, John Lovitz like improvising or or like taking a, a scene that's just him talking and then like sing. I'd, I'd be curious to actually see how much of his influence was on, or if it was just on the script. Sometimes that is the case, but. That would be a good question. Because, yeah, because apparently he was actually chosen specifically by the um, writers. So he was kind of like the first choice. Well, I think it is perfect casting. Yeah. Uh, like, who who else could possibly be Jay Sherman? Yeah, he, he, he sort of, because, yeah, you have the snobbery, but also he's sort of likable. There's a slubby loserness to him. So he's yeah. not necessarily, <laughs> like, he's able to be snobby. And pretentious while also being like the underdog, which is yeah. which is like that's such a hard. I, now that I've said that, that actually is kind of a hard thing that the critic actually pulls off. Which I, I try to argue, even the Fraser doesn't always pull off. You know, and I, and I like Fraser, but I mean, I don't think it always pulls it off in the way that the critic I think does a better job of sometimes. Where it's, you know, you're able to root for him and care for him, but also also realize he's kind of a <laughs> he's sometimes right. be a prick and sometimes be a. Um, not, not the best person, but uh, and so and so yeah. So she so he sings. He finds him as the pig. Yeah. So Eleanor pretty quickly writes the first uh, draft, I guess, of of her book, uh, the fat little pig. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She shows it to Jay, who and yeah, the the pig is obviously Jay Sherman, and the pig is even wearing the, the same vest, the, the vest that Jay wears, and. Yeah, I, I like the little uh, animated scene. Yeah, I was going to say that was one of my favorite parts of the episode as well. Was was the two the two animation like parodies? Yeah, where we go Disney inside. We go inside the the storybook, and uh, the pig, of course, has Jay's voice, and uh, Eleanor is the swan. Like, the yeah, or like uh, Mother Goose. I thought was what they. Were, oh they yeah, were actually, going for. I, I thought it was a swan, but you're right. Probably Goose makes a lot more yeah. sense. <laughs> Mother, I'm dropping out of law school to become a film critic. Oh, that's terrible. Just rip out my liver and whip it into a scrumptious pate. Don't mind if I do. 
So yeah, they uh, they take the book to a publisher. The publisher loves it, says he's going to buy it. And this actually comes with my favorite jokes. One of my favorite things, uh, animation. Since uh, is known for doing it, but all animation does this, but because they have to create all the props themselves, and it, it's um, delightful. Ch- the, so the building to go into it says delightful. Ch- it's like a skyscraper, and it says delightful children's book, a division of Scumco. <laughs> right. Right. Oh yeah, and apparently, um, apparently that 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 he he buys it and he's like, oh, we we made so much money from I forget the author's name. It's a Dr. Seuss joke, but he says Horton hears his neighbors oh, in bed. Right. Yes, <laughs> and then uh, and, and later on, oh, it's it's, it's Dr. Seduce. Okay, Dr. Seduce. Yeah, so it's Dr. Seduce. So Horton hears his neighbors in bed. And then it cuts to uh, Franklin at one point, like, oh, it's a pop up book. Right. <laughs> oh, He's Franklin. reading the book. He's a... So he has, like, yeah, the best lines. In fact, actually, we skipped, it. we skipped a joke, actually, I think, where he's talking about, I need to help my wife. Oh, yeah, the first, uh, the first home improvement thing. I say, Wilson, my wife is terribly depressed. What do you think she should do? Ribbit. Ribbit, 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 ribbit. My dear, I think you should rivet, rivet, rivet. And it comes yes. to her like uh, on a. She goes to uh, an actual construction. Construction site. site riveting, and she's yeah. like, yeah. and it cuts like. <laughs> Franklin's like his hat's like ah, crazy glue. It's crazy. He's yeah. like he's on, they're on like they're like unfinished skyscraper, yeah. uh, building that. So that's like, but that comes in later, I think. So. Oh yeah, yeah. They call that back, and they do kind of a Family Guy sort of thing where they they just repeat the same joke over and over and over. Oh, Wilson, my wife is happy again. Ooh. My wife, Eleanor. 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 When when does she uh when does he go back to Wilson? Is it a while now from now or so uh oh okay so that is uh we're almost up to there actually so the okay. book comes out it's an immediate hit uh Jay and then Jay is like out taking a walk and like people start like making fun of him because they think he's the pig yeah that's why I was like no it's actually even funnier than that because the kids on the school ground he sees it's a big like marketing oh, like big, yeah, big, yeah. big 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 plushes and stuff like that and the kids in the school bus they stop him and they say like oh look at that little pig like, i'm not this pig from the book and then one of the kids is like what book yeah <laughs> they uh they do a similar joke in the episode with uh, the hunchback where the guy's like, you've taught me someone can be ugly on the outside and beautiful on the inside. Well, I'm not the hunch. Well, I know. You know? <laughs> same, same kind of joke, but it, it works. It's really good. Yeah, it's a classic. So after the book is a success, Eleanor gets tons of fan mail. She says, you know, she her life is, is happy again. So that's when Franklin goes back to Wilson and says, you know, you know. Uh, oh, it worked out. Your, your, your advice worked out. Something like that. And it's an owl now. Yeah. And so it's like, who? My wife, Eleanor. Who? My wife, Eleanor. And it goes on until nighttime. Yeah. We see a time lapse. And yeah. He's... Yeah. And so I like that joke. I think that joke's funny. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then it cuts to, and then it becomes like an owl, like graphic that, that transitions. And it's hard to explain in a podcast because like you have to, if you've seen Home Improvement, 
you know what oh, that is right they had all those wacky transitions yeah and so this one they, they morphed it in as, as a specific reference to that but it's like i guess yeah because the whole scene screen morphs into like basically a, a owl thing and it transitions off which is and it has the it has like a music cue that's like evoking i didn't even put it together that that part was a reference to home improvement yeah it was yeah yeah okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't really remember that because I, I did watch it like i i don't want to i want to pretend like i never did but like i did watch it you know um as a kid i was like a little kid and i think it was like syndication at that point um but yeah it's, it's pretty embarrassing now and like yeah <laughs> and and uh and tim allen is you know been revealed to be just a huge a-hole yeah which sucks because of galaxy quest because i love galaxy quest oh, so much yeah and he's <laughs> so like, good in it too and then, but he's like not good in anything else really <laughs> yeah and the whole reason he has a career is because he you know, sold out his friends to the police. Pretty much, yeah. So fuck him, he's a snitch. <laughs> oh, you know what? We skipped over a, a scene with Tiny. To be fair, to be fair, Tiny kind of sucks. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I mean that's, that's harsh. No, but I, like, I kind of agree. I don't even really like the way he's drawn. He just looks kind of goofy. His, his eyes are, are like too far apart. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's whatever. But what, what's the scene we skipped? Uh, where Jay takes Tiny to obedience school. I'm sorry, Mr. Sherman. We only train dogs with the finest pedigrees. Uh, I have his papers right here. C, Husky, Extra Large. <laughs> Mr. Sherman, did we just rip this tag off our pants? All right, so then I believe we're up to... So after the uh, bit with the owl, the home improvement uh, bit, uh, Jay uh, is having a nightmare... Uh, like a dress. The this is the Jurassic Park scene where yeah, tiny this is, this is, is the scene where I, where I where I where I remember this sequence also from like I or like disconnected from, but just the memory. Oh, I remember this because he gets attacked by tiny as a which is another weird thing that like it's it's not really developed that this is something he has a problem with it's kind of like we've sort of seen because i think the burglar scene had happened at this point that we'd already mentioned um and like and so we'd seen him get bigger so i think it's implied for sure i'm not saying it's not there at all but to all of a sudden be something he's like just completely concerned about is like right here is when he's first like really yeah they don't really handle that well like the the arc isn't really there yeah no and and uh because he gets attacked by tiny as a t-rex or not a t-rex it actually looks like the dog which is huge yeah yeah and so he's like like, oh no don't eat me it's like oh at least put me in a better spielberg movie and it cuts to him like in jaws which i take offense at because jurassic park's a great movie yeah, but I, I can see Jay not liking it. I can see it like, cause, cause, you know, it's like a CGI fast thing. And there, there is, I guess, this is my little soapbox, I'm going to say. But I think to a certain extent, there are people who are nostalgic and they sometimes aren't able to look past that. And I, I, I put myself, I'm like, you know, I'm, put, I'm, I'm over 30. So like, obviously there's stuff that I like that I probably only like because I was of that age at that time. But like, there's people who like love the Goonies, for instance, and I fucking think the Goonies is a garbage movie. And I think it's a garbage, sure. objectively garbage movie. And people who like it are kid, people who are the age of the characters at the time. And I'm not being a hypocrite because I like I love Space Jam, and that's a movie you have to be a certain. <laughs> there's a certain like gap, like it's like five year gap you can be born in where that movie is okay. You're too young for it. You're like you can see obviously how bullshit and awful it is. And if you're too old for it, you're obviously like old enough and jaded enough. To be, oh, this is like garbage corporate bullshit, you know. Um, but if you're like born from like I don't know, like '88 to maybe like '91, you know, and then you get, you get old enough to watch Space Jam, you're like five or you know five to eight years old. 
then you like it. Um, I think it's the Goonies Wait, of our but, generation. So are you arguing that people only like Jurassic Park because of nostalgia? No, the opposite. Oh. I'm saying that, so that, that sometimes people <laughs> will um, not be able to see what's new. And sometimes okay. be stuck in. So Jay is somebody who probably was born around the time that Jaws came out. Or Mark, or to be fair, maybe LG and Mike Reese are the writers in that room. Mm-hmm. Who knows? You know, because, um, you know, some of, it, some of it's speaking through Jay. But some of it's Jay, I imagine, is speaking. Or they're, or they're using Jay as a speaking board for themselves, I imagine, sometimes. And so they're not able to, you know, the CGI is mm-hmm. new. And it's more, maybe it's a little more uh grandiose than jaws was and but yes i don't know maybe it's my own, it's my own little that's why i said my own little soapbox it's like i do think sometimes there's people who like aren't able to look at new things and, and, yeah. and appreciate it or sometimes like galvanize older stuff when it's not and i'm a guy who loves old movies like one of my favorite i love casablanca sure. and citizen kane and, the, and a lot of the canonized classic films a lot of people i know my age actually hate citizen kane i don't go that's a good movie no. but um but but <laughs> I mean, I, I, jay I, jay is probably like he probably likes the original black and white King Kong. And that's like the only spectacle movie he lets himself enjoy. Yeah. Or, or like our movies he grew up with. Yeah. Like he, uh, yeah. He, probably, he probably also hates, I actually, I'd be curious to know actually what Jay thinks about star Wars that the ever actually canonized oh, hmm. that actually. So, <laughs> Cause he can go either way. I think on that one. Cause I think, cause I think Jaws was still an adult movie. It was PG, but it was still like, you know, it's oh, adult yeah, relationships yeah. and stuff like that. So, but anyway, so it's a, it's a bit of a tangent, but that was just my whole thing is like, I do hate sometimes people are just like the older stuff. Is, like one of my things I hate, for instance, is like, and people say like, "Oh, Superman should always have the Superman theme." And it's like, I like the Superman theme, <laughs> but it's also grandiose and kind of overblown for certain types of depictions of Superman. And it's like, well, we can grow past that, right? Like, we can we can have different versions. We don't have to keep going back to the well to song that I don't know. It's stuff like that where it's just like, and Goonies, I think, is my favorite examples of that. It's just being unable to like look past your own nostalgia, or look past like moving oh, forward yeah. and criticisms and stuff. But my my example of that of a movie that I think people only like because of nostalgia, and they need to admit that it's actually bad if they look at it objectively, um, is actually another Spielberg movie, um, Hook. Hook, oh, I, will go on record, yeah. I will go on record as saying Hook is a terrible movie. I know people will object to that. They'll say, like, Rufio, Rufio. I'm like, guys, come on. It's not <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's the Goonies. Good. It's the same sort of thing because, like, didn't Spielberg produce Goonies? Because Richard Donner directed it. Speaking of Superman, yeah. but Richard Donner directed it. But I think Spielberg was, was behind the Goonies. That, yeah, that, that's possible. I think, yeah, I think it – I think it was an Amblin movie, maybe. Yeah, so it might have been, might have been like this, like executive produced or something. But yeah, no, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Cause I think Hook, because I, mean, I think that all these movies, including Goonies, has parts of it that obviously resonated. Like I think the effects are pretty good in Hook for especially the time. I think that Dustin Hoffman's mm-hmm. performance is good. I think it's kind of interesting to kill Rufio. I think that is an interesting like plot spoiler alert for like I don't know 20, 30 year old movie almost at this point. Yeah. Um, I think as a kid, that's something you don't necessarily expect. You know, especially like so stuff like that is interesting. But yeah, I think overall it just doesn't hold together. And 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 the things that are bad are egregiously bad. And things that are good are enough to alleviate that. Yeah. In my opinion. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna get some shit for this. You hated Space Jam? <laughs> like I, I love Space Jam, but I'm not gonna pretend it's a good movie. All right. So 
Um, <laughs> God, where are we? Oh, okay. Oh, so we're after the dream. Yeah. So that's what yeah, we're, so we're on. Yeah. Uh, so we're on back to Jay's show where he's interviewing, or sorry, he's the first reviewing. time we see his show too. And this, this is the again, this is almost the two thirds of the oh, episode. Oh yeah. That's first right. Time we, this is after the second commercial break. Yeah, where he is reviewing uh, Barney the Dinosaur, the motion picture, <laughs> which also happened. Oh, that's right. Hello, and welcome to Coming Attractions. Tonight, we'll be reviewing Barney the Dinosaur, the motion picture. Just look who got $10 million to play Barney. This is so humiliating. You don't have to lose 100 pounds to play a dinosaur. Can't even see through the eye holes on this thing. Did you know that the Barney guy now like is like is like the head of the sex cult? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Barney actor. I forget what the guy's name is, but yeah, the Barney actor is now like this this like sex cult leader. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, it's life is life is stranger than fiction. Uh, well, I was going to say that uh, I think his name is David Joyner. Um, I think is the guy's name. Uh, I was just double checking that. Uh, but they 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 they, they uh, so the joke of this one is that it's Marlon Brando, right? Which is. I don't know. This is, this is honestly, even as I don't know if as a kid I was the same way, but I know as like as an older adult, this is like probably the joke I find the least funny of hmm. of uh, the critic when it doesn't make a pointed critique of the film and just kind of just like, oh, it's his funny celebrity voice. For yeah, this. it's kind of lazy because they've they've dunked on Marlon Brando plenty of times at this. What was point. it, Mr. Belvedere? Mr. Belvedere. It's like Mr. Belvedere. He's like he's the star. Of Mr. Belvedere, I think, is one of the one of the parodies and the critic. And and also like they already kind of did this joke. It's like look, who got paid this much money to do Barney, but they did that joke with Arnold Schwarzenegger so oh, to play yeah, Geppetto. Yeah, I don't know if we mentioned that, but Arnold Schwarzenegger plays Geppetto in right. <laughs> uh, in the Disney parody like earlier on. Um, so it's literally the same joke. They're like, oh, we're having a f-, which which that one was funny because it was commenting on. Um, you know, overpaid actors that are yeah. not good for the roles. And like, you know, and also people who are in the in the animation industry, probably that was already a problem of like, hey, look, we have voice actors who are legitimately actual voice actors, you know, like Reese LaMarge, Billy West, Frank Welker. And then, and, you know, um, but then having it where it's like, oh, but instead we're going to have like Kevin Bacon or we're going to have, you know, fucking Jason Alexander, you know, what Jason Alexander was a did duck man, but you know, like uh, we're going to have celebrity voices, like it's yeah. stunt casting. Um, that was already sort of a thing that they were commenting on in, in earlier in the episode, but now it's kind of the same joke. Like, we're in a kid's movie, but we're going to have a big actor do it. And it's, you know. it, it's also kind of funny that they would have Barney because on this show, they already have like a Barney stand-in. They have um, that episode already happened. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, where we've met where, Humphrey where, the hippo. He, had, he has an affair with the uh, the woman. Yeah. In the, okay, <laughs> with the uh, woman who plays Humphrey the hippo. So yeah, it's weird that they would then bring in like yeah, the you could have done Barney. other things. I don't know. It's because yeah. I like because I love the parodies. And one of my favorite oh, ones sure. is, is is the Jurassic Park two one because before Jurassic Park two came out. Which is, I don't consider that one that prescient because it's like, yeah, that was going to yeah. happen. So it's like, even Barney the movie is like, that probably was going to happen at some point. Um, but they had Jurassic Park 2, and, and when the, the joke was, it was like the, oh, they're too smart to get in, or, or, or uh, they're too smart for us to get out to, to not let them in. And, and then he, he, the, the, the Velociraptor gets a pipe. It's like, oh, we're already on a boat doing this thing. And, and they're yeah. commenting on the fact that it was kind of goofy how intelligent the Velociraptors were. I mean, I think they kind of do that with the the very next thing, which is the the Robo Clapper instead of Robocop. Yeah, it's just it's Robocop who is 
like clap activated because that was another 90s relic the the uh clapper the the uh, light switch that you operate by clapping your hands please dirtbag you're under a rest please don't do that uh, that one's funnier because i think that one at least is, is absurd in a way that's that's like at least if you're not gonna be clever at least be absurd i guess mm-hmm. okay <laughs> and, yeah. and and uh and ridiculous I, I don't think it was that funny either but i think it was it was funnier than just like celebrity voice and equals equals comedy mm-hmm. and also that and also they may, they're making sort of a comment on you know kind of what we're just talking about with space jam where it's a commercials getting into movies and becoming because jay makes it, it literally says that it's like oh now we're having products in our movies and he has like a joke that he laughs at himself about but i forget what the joke was but he's comment but basically him in the show him in the on his coming attraction show but also the, the cartoon is making a point about putting like products in movies and like it's i'm not sure it's necessarily super successful at it but at least was doing something more than the marlon brando joke so jay's show actually gets interrupted by uh, a bunch of like a herd of pigs just running yeah. through i actually thought of the the 30 to 50 feral hogs tweet that uh, <laughs> really? happened last, last year. I still don't know the order um, of that. What, what, what was that? Par- so, I, I've seen it. I saw I saw a Twitter thread and stuff like that. I just don't remember like, what the origin of that was. So there was some... So um, I think there was some kind of... I think like another mass shooting happened. So it oh, started yeah. another Always, always a great start for a comedy premise. But yeah. <laughs> uh, so that started a big you know, a uh, second amendment debate of people saying, you know, we really need to take away the guns this time. Mm-hmm. And so that led to a pro second amendment person tweeting, well, I would love to know what all these people think I should do about the 30 to 50 feral hogs that run into where my children are playing. Okay. And it, so that just started that whole thing. Everyone was like, what? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that yeah. makes a lot more sense now. And then everyone's like parroting it, and being like, and like, because it's a ridiculous thing. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, this is one of my favorite. This is one of the few. So Duke is in like two scenes this in this, in this episode, and he's in this scene and a scene comes later. And this is one of my favorite. He has one. Of, he has two of my favorite lines in the episode. And this one is he says like, "What are these? Or these are hogs?" And, and but he 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 goes. Um, Just what do you call these? Well, that there's an eating pig, that there's a snuggling pig, and that there's a pig you bring home to mama. I just thought that was funny. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's so random. And I, <laughs> and I love, um, fuck, uh, Jack Nate. Not that Jack Napier. That's a uh, that's a Joker in the <laughs> in the in the nineteen eighty nine. Oh, Batman uh, um, Charles Napier. Charles Napier. Yes, I knew it was Napier. Um, and he's amazing in this show. But he's yeah. also an amazing actor. He's like a character actor. He was in um, he was in Blues. He was in Blues Brothers. He was one of the Western. You know, that scene was like we have both. We have all kinds of. Uh, uh, bands we have western and country and he's they're one of the country <laughs> band i remember him most from uh, austin powers yeah he's not the powers he's he's the uh, one of the generals the american generals is yeah. he only in the first one or is he in any of the oh he I, he might be in the sequel i have no idea i really only remember the first one he's in he's in a lot he's a lot of jonathan demi movies he's uh he's in a lot of so you 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 never recognize him if you see him like his voice yeah. i think is perfect duke but like if I didn't know him already, I probably wouldn't have put two and two together because he has such a, he looks so different than Duke. 
And he's, and he's such a character actor. He's not really in like big prominent like leading man roles. And so like um, he's like he's like a good old boy, like fucking chiseled jaw in the way that Duke is sort of. But no, yeah. So that that's and then he's doing it to cross promote because the the little pig is such a big phenomenon right now. So yeah, even Duke is getting on the fat little pig gravy train. Uh, so that kind of uh, pushes Jay over the edge. He he goes to his mom to complain. Um, and uh, this is not my favorite line of, from Eleanor. You're probably gonna say the line. Oh, where she she gets upset and uh, she tries to cry but can't. Mom, your book is ruining my life. Now, Jay, you're only saying that because you resent my success. You think old women should just curl up and rot away? Oh, oh. It's times like this that I wish I had tear ducts. Oh, oh, oh. That was one of her, that's probably one of her favorite, my favorite lines from her. So it's like that and, and that we have the technology are probably the two lines I think are the funniest from her. I mean, the voice actress does a good job. I mean, your voice is funny. Oh, yeah. Know, like, I, I love her, like, the the kind of the sound that Eleanor makes when she is attempting to cry. The Just like, oh, Oh, oh yeah that's what it was yeah um yeah <laughs> oh because oh. she still she still manages to have that sort of like upper crust kind of accent even when she's yeah. doing that noise that sort of transatlantic shit did you know yeah. by the way did you know about transatlantic um you know like old tiny like movies and like in the 20s and 30s or like radio shows like oh coming down now to the to oh, the yeah. um did you yeah. know that, 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 that's a fake accent i think i remember hearing that somewhere yeah it yeah was so just it, constructed it was for the sake of yeah, for movies. Sounding upper class. It was like, yeah, yeah. it was like, uh, <laughs> well, it was sort of, um, it, it, what it more was, it was more, from, I, from what I remember studying it, was that it was like particular people in the, in the um, New England area, um, like Maine and things like that, they mm. were created to sort of be upper class American, but not necessarily British. So it's like a mixture of British and American. And the Hollywood adopted it in the sound era because it was the most clear and it made it sound classier. Ah, okay. And that's why they adopted it. So it was more of a chicken. As far as I know, I, got to, I mean, I'm kind of talking my ass a little bit, so don't quote me necessarily, but I remember, I think it's more of a chicken the egg thing where the accent came first and the fact that it was clarity and had like a lot of like, you know, clear diction, you know, it was like clear to say, you know, um, and, and, and that's, so it got adopted by radio and, films and stuff okay yeah but anyway so so it was just a fun little thing i remember as a kid being like did people talk like that like i don't remember <laughs> like that kind of cartoony voice yeah so we jump from there uh to uh jay now suddenly wants to get rid of tiny he's decided that yeah he just doesn't want him anymore so he takes uh-huh. him to uh lane reesh the his favorite restaurant hey vlada you think any of your customers could give Tiny a good home? Why, I will gladly take her myself. Oh, the T-bones connected to the matloaf. The matloaf's connected to the spot roast. I will not let you cook my dog. Are you suggesting I serve him raw? Oh, it would save on the electricals. Give me that! This is probably the most offensive joke in, in, in the sense of just, like, actually offensive. Yeah, because Vlada wants to... Serve tiny, Ugh. which is like, uh, I mean, it could be worse, but it's yeah, it's not great. Yeah, it's probably the most date because the most based on stereotypes. I mean, the fat stuff's not great, but again, as a fat person, I don't care that much. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how yeah. you feel about it. Well, I thought maybe they were making fun of, I don't know, like 
Vlada's foreignness because like they never. No, no, that's, no, that's what they're doing for Vlada. I meant like for Jay Sherman, like when he's oh. like eat, eating like the the yeah. the, 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 the you um, know he's like eating on all fours in his refrigerator. There's a couple oh, other yeah. ones too. Eh, yeah, I don't I don't get offended by that stuff either. It's just yeah. it's just so ridiculous and over the top. It's like yeah yeah exactly it's also like he yeah he's also the main character it's a it's it's a obviously like i'm not going to get mad at any like person who is bigger or 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 feels offended by those kinds of jokes i think that's totally fair for them too um i'm just not going to be um but yeah the flada things especially as people who again who are also two white guys who are just like yeah i don't know if i should (laughs) i don't know if i should should laugh at this anymore this is probably a little too offensive so um that's probably that's probably the but to be fair, for a, for a whole episode, that's probably the only one that I would like place on that sort of board, right? Where it's kind of like, this, this is probably something we probably sh- would it they probably shouldn't do anymore. Uh, so yeah, uh, but luckily it's just that one short scene, and then we move on. Pretty much, um, yeah. So we go to uh, Phillips Land. So apparently, Duke Phillips, in addition to being Ted Turner, he is also Walt Disney. So he has like a whole theme park just named after himself uh where they're introducing uh, a new ride the ham hawker yeah and they have like a lot of like little jokes before that you see all the other rides that he has and one of them is like oh. like it's like the it's like the river of love but it's radioactive and they come out as mutants and i was like yeah <laughs> i didn't see the connection between the two other than the fact like lack of safety standards but it was just like yeah, I don't that, know. That, that was the joke. Is that I'm assuming that's the joke. Is like a safety standards, but like it doesn't really connect with love. I don't know. It, it, it seemed very like again. Not a lot of these jokes. The, the satire doesn't seem connected in a weird way. If that makes sense. No, I, I totally agree on this one. And and to me, it also felt like they were kind of dipping into uh, Simpsons territory again. Because yeah, you know they made they literally so many had nuclear the silo. They literally had the yeah. The, the, <laughs> I mean, which I guess is based on regular nuclear reactors. So I guess. But it's also so obviously dangerous. Like I, I think the joke, the funniest jokes of like rides that are bad. Like you wouldn't know they're bad until you're on it. If that makes sense. Right, right, right. Yeah, you wouldn't. Uh, you wouldn't have people literally turning into like mutants coming out of the other end and then being like, "Oh, I'll go on that." Or let's just connect it thematically in some way to make it some satirical point beyond just that it's dangerous. Yeah. I don't know. Like it, it seems. It seems like because they really love things. There's like a lot of jokes you can make that aren't just. You know, I don't know. You know, honestly, the, the, for for such a funny concept. The Phillips Land, it does, at least it seems like a ripe concept for comedy. It really didn't have that many funny jokes. Yeah, I mean, you could set a whole episode at Phillips Land and, and not run out of material, but here Pretty it's much, just, yeah. yeah, kind of a single, it's limited to a single scene for whatever reason. So, yeah, so the reason we are here at uh, Phillips what? Land is, uh, yeah, for Ham Hocker the Ride, and uh, they get Eleanor to kind of introduce it. So Eleanor is uh, there at um, Phillips Land to yeah. talk about the ride, I guess, and the book and whatever. And uh, that basically leads to the crowd kind of getting so worked up when they see Jay, they just like chase after him. I just want you to know that all the proceeds from this ride go to the Eleanor Sherman Foundation for blasting the poor into space. We want the pig! We want the pig! We want the pig! There he is! <laughs> Rub his belly! Raise him up! Make him squeal! He, he literally has a he has a, a apple in his mouth and he makes a little pig right. noise. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, they yeah. <laughs> um so 
Uh, yeah, they chase after him. Uh, oh, I like that uh, Duke says, you know, make him squeal. We had it twice. Uh, and I think, it's a yeah. really, I think it's the same line reading, too, which makes it funnier. <laughs> make him squeal! Uh, um, yeah. and, but before that, it does do the joke again, where it brings back the, um, the shooting poor people into space, because that's what the charity's about. Oh, she's just, right. just doing a charity for uh, to shoot people into space. Yeah. Uh, shoot poor people into space <laughs> um, to raise money for that. Yeah. Uh, and that's when they chase him down, and that's what leads to the Elephant Man reference. I am not a pig. I am a human being. And I have feelings, too. And if you think about it, I bet there's a scared, fat little pig inside each of you. Get him for showing us the truth about ourselves. Yeah! Um, and that finally kind of, I guess, gets through to Eleanor, where she, where she sees now that the uh, book is actually doing harm. So we. Yeah, um, and I, uh, I did like that she came to the decision herself. Like, I think that. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, Jay brought, brings it up. So I'm not saying Jay didn't, like, bring it up. But he's not, like, forcing her to change. I think that, you know, she cried. He doesn't, like, get angry. He understands to a certain extent. Like, you know. Yeah. I, I do like that she comes into herself. Uh, the only thing we I don't want to miss up before we move on is uh, I did like the whole. Like, oh, he's making us see the error of our ways. Get him! You know, that's yep. <laughs> the very Futurama yeah. Simpsons sort of thing where it's like, oh, we get, we, we had an epiphany. But actually, no, because it's more mad, uh, yeah. <laughs> which is pretty good. So after Eleanor kind of has this moment of uh, realization and remorse, we just kind of, you know, fast forward to one month later oh, yeah. uh, where yeah. Eleanor has now written a new book and uh, Jay finds out that the fat little pig has been killed off in this new book. What's going on? Eleanor Sherman is signing her new book. Why is everyone so angry? Haven't you heard? She killed off the fat little pig. Good night, Porky. You made me look so dorky. They killed you in New Yorkie. I hope you rot in hell. How did he die anyway? He had a heart attack while singing and doing a stupid dance. Ooh. We again get more of a Jay singing because he's so happy. Yeah, and it's like, oh, so how did he die? Oh, he got a heart attack from dancing and singing a stupid song. Oh. <laughs> yeah, how perfect is that? Um, well, that's when, they, that's when he has a dog with him. And that's when he yeah. brings the dog in. And it's like, oh, what am I going to do with my life uh, after this? And it's like, oh, actually, uh, oh, a cute dog, sit. And the dog sits because he's been unruly this whole episode, I guess. Yeah. See, it goes back to the whole problem <laughs> with this arc. It's like we didn't quite see him be unruly all the time. And I guess there's a yeah. scene that she's going to eat his dog. But the scene where, like, I guess we, we skipped over where, like, the dog had eaten his whole food. I think it's when he ate the burglar. I think it's the same scene. Yeah, so it's like, is the dog just a glutton or is the dog disobedient? Like, yeah, it's very, really... it's very muddled. But yeah. um, but he but then he gives the dog and again. I put in my notes that the A plot and the B plot finally converged in some yeah. meaningful way. Because I I was watching it being like because because I've done so, so I'm a writer so I've done I've 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 placed and I don't want to be like fucking humble brag whatever. Point being is I've, I'm, <laughs> I'm a writer. Uh, I got paid to do it. It's it's but I'll leave yeah. it at that instead of instead of listing off my fucking rewards and, and fucking what I worked on. But like so I, I've been paid to write. And one thing I did notice was the fact that A plot and the B plot were definitely so disconnected in a way that you usually want them to thematically um, kind of bounce off each other in some way or plot-wise bounce off each other in some way. Obviously, sometimes it's impossible, but this one was pretty egregious in how isolated they were. Yeah. Uh, although we, we do get maybe my favorite just kind of throwaway gag in this scene where, yeah, after Eleanor makes Tiny sit, she says... The you know, she, Yeah, she has a way with animals, 
where she once taught a, a fish to play badminton. I have a way with animals. I once taught a fish to play badminton. Match point floppy. The one thing I did really like, uh, and I think I'm paraphrasing, I don't know if I actually got the exact quote, but um, I do like how, like, Jay's like, oh, maybe you can take care of Tiny, and that'll help mm-hmm. you find purpose in your life, and I can get rid of Tiny, because I couldn't take care of him in my own apartment. Hey, why don't you take Tiny? He'd be happier out in the country, and he can fill your lonely days with love. Thank you for the dog, and thank you for the glib self-serving solution to my fragile emotional state. You're welcome. Okay, yeah, that, that, that line is really great, because it's just like, because it is true, it, it, it really is getting at the artificiality of sitcoms <laughs> and all this stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like acknowledging that, I thought that was kind of pretty cool. Uh, I mean, I guess it's still lampshading, so there's always that thing, you're doing the thing, but you're also lampshading, is that good enough? And there's a whole critical debate if that's you know valid. But I, I thought it was, it's just for a 90s show to really just like get the heart of how like actually... Uh, cynical these kinds of endings actually really are yeah <laughs> i thought it was actually pretty and, and still keeping it cheery like it's sort of thing you can kind of pass by if you're not paying attention but it's there right. which i really liked yeah and then um and that's and then it's the last scene right where everyone's riding their animals yeah and we end with uh jay you know with this sort of meta joke where Jay says, you know, good night and a special good night to those tuning in for home improvement. Cause they're the lead into that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but no, cause we have, we skipped the, 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 the animals are riding though. Cause it begins with Margo. Oh, right. Right. Cause Margo's first, she's riding a pony. Yeah. Margo's, seen her a other. Margo's a classic horse girl. Yeah. Cause she, uh, in the first episode, she's riding a horse. Like when she talks to the actress, right? Like that's like, so we introduce oh, I, her. I think so. And and definitely in the uh, episode with the um, uh, debutante ball, uh, Eleanor threatens to shoot the horse, oh. which is uh, one of the darkest moments in the whole series. That's, I mean, obviously, the critic can get pretty dark. Um, I, I still, I still like when he's tied up, uh, Fidel Castro, and he's like, "Shoot oh, yeah. to wound." Yeah, <laughs> and then. Um, uh, but then, uh, so, yeah, so, so it starts, so, so it's Marco with the pony or the horse. And then it's, um, obviously the joke we're expecting, which I thought was kind of clever. We, we, we kind of knew what the joke was going to be, which is that it's going to be Eleanor riding the dog. Yeah. But that's the second <laughs> animal instead of the third one, or instead of the, instead of the button. Then it cuts to Franklin with a rhino, which is just, you know, a little random, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very, very, very Homsar or, uh, did you ever watch Homsar Runner? A little bit. I mostly watched the strong bad emails. No, he he found the strong bad emails. The I am my oh, old right, grandmother. Right. <laughs> like they like uh, uh, he, he or, and then uh and then but it ends with Jay with the uh, pigs. Um, yeah. Uh, on a pulling a pulling a sleigh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Pulling a sled or a sleigh, and and then that's when he says the uh, good night. You know, how improvement. I think it does a transition thing that we were talking about earlier. I think if I remember correctly. Uh. Oh, I don't know. I I, I don't remember. To be I honest. don't remember either. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, point being is that that's where it ends. And that's I, I, I she didn't know this was the season finale. So I only watched this episode. I was actually kind of busy this week, so I I, uh, I watched the obviously watched the episode and got notes for this podcast. But I didn't really watch the episodes before or after. So I actually didn't know this is the season finale. This is kind of a weak season finale. I'm gonna not gonna lie. On top of being like not the best episode, it's also kind of like nothing really big. I don't know. It's, it seems kind of weird for a season finale. No, it's true. It is very a very weird note to kind of end a whole season on. But I think uh, again, like I think 
I, I don't know if, if maybe they, because animation takes so long to produce. I don't know if they had like already made this or if they like had already heard that uh, ABC hated their show. So they just kind of lost their, their passion for it and they just wanted to poop out an episode or something. <laughs> uh, I don't really know what the story is. Um, but yeah, and, and to be fair, if they cooked out an episode and it's this good, I mean, it's better than yeah. the most. <laughs> it's better than most animated shows, definitely. Yeah. Like, especially now, if you're thinking like the Fox anime. Well, man, I like Bob's Burgers. So I think not all episodes. Oh, Bob's Burgers but, is great. But I was, I was trying to make a, make it like a more generalized point. But like, no, I guess Bob's Burgers is alright. But like any Family Guy stuff. I remember uh, me and my girlfriend were actually watching like uh, Family. I think we we're just like hanging out, and like it was like I was on TV in the background. And it was just on, like Adult Swim. And, like, it was just crazy how unfunny the mm. show is. And, <laughs> and it goes, it's speaking of, like, talking about stereotypes and talking about, you know, um, all this stuff. Like, as bad as the critic is, can be, and even Old Simpsons or like that. Like, you know, the, 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 the restaurant owner scene where he's trying to eat the dog. Mm-hmm. Or, or, like, threatening to eat the dog. Like, that kind of stuff is, like, mild compared to what's happening now. And it's, like, not because of... Again, PC culture, like PC culture. Uh, so, yeah, I think we've thoroughly covered uh, this episode of The Critic. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, that is going to bring to a close season one of The Critic and season Ooh. one of this podcast, I oh, guess. Oh, like last uh, episode of the season? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Cool. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so I, um, I've decided I'm actually going to go on a little bit of a hiatus before we st- start tackling season two. Um because I uh, I've been thinking a lot about this. I actually want to take this podcast in a little bit of a different direction. It, it's we're still going to talk all about the critic, of course. But let's just say uh, I have kind of big plans. I'm going to start just doing more segments. I'm going to get more guests. I just want this podcast to be as great as it can be. So awesome. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to take some time to prepare all of that. That's awesome. It sounds exciting. Yeah. So. Tell a friend, tune in, uh, keep keep listening. So, uh, so yeah, Damien, thank you again for joining me on this episode. Yeah, um, it, it didn't stink. Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, Is that a joke it, somebody said already? I'm listening. To I, the I'm pretty sure I've used that a few times. Um, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, do you have any uh, any plugs you want uh, the audience to know about? Uh, yeah. So if you want to see my writings, just go to um, you know Air on the Head. Um, and you'll see, like I've, I've done, uh, I do news reports there, but also, um, we looked up, uh, best horror movie you've never seen or best horror you never saw, uh, under Joe Blow videos, horror videos. Um, you'll see like stuff I've, I've done, um, videos on things like dead, fo- uh, um, dead calm, um, frailty. I just did one on a one called hundred feet that, um, by, uh, Eric red. Um, so there's like, it's always it takes like horror movies you haven't seen before and like editing them together and and uh doing stuff like that and uh, i also finished a feature film speaking of madeline madeline actually executive produced it um covering oh, cool. champions i just uh just released a trailer um we're in the post-production so hoping to get that done by the end of the year so that's uh that's kind of what i've been working on it's a, it's a feature i wrote directed um and uh, produced and edited and all that stuff like that and self-financed so Excellent. Yeah. So looking uh, forward well, to that. And, sorry, what was the name of it again? Uh, Reunion of Champions. All right. Uh, yeah, so keep an eye out for Reunion of Champions. Uh, check out Damien on JoeBlow.com. Um, 
Because, yeah, a lot of those horror movies, I've seen some of those and they're really cool. Like Frailty, I'm a big fan of. Society um, is also the one I really liked. Okay. Um, I don't was, know that, that one. The, that, you should watch Society. That's that's one I did a video on. And, and it's. Uh, I almost don't know if you watch the video yet. You should watch the movie first because it's a spoiler. All movies. right. <laughs> these do spoil the movie. So. Um, cause they kind of, they're comprehensive. So, but, uh, oh, all right. I'll, I'll have to check out that movie then. Yeah. Um, cool. So, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us here. Uh, but thank you all for listening, uh, to it stinks, the critic podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of it stinks, the critic podcast. I'm your host, Brian Rubinow. Our theme song is by Brandon Beck. You can email the podcast at itstinkspod at gmail.com and find us on Twitter and Instagram at itstinkspod. 